0: This podcast is not intended to provide any investment advice. The opinions expressed here by either the hosts or guests do not necessarily reflect the views of PSA, Collectors Holdings, or any of their affiliates. Any discussion of collectible values in the past or present is not a guarantee of future performance. Hello everyone and welcome back to another week, another episode of the PSA pod. Ryan Green and Steve Sloan here back in the NBA Jam studio. And we're gonna get right into it because we have a very special guest here on the show today who we've been wanting to get on for a while because he's got some really fascinating stuff to share with you guys, the customer. Dan Van Tran, Chief Tech Officer here at PSA and Collectors. Thanks for taking the time to join us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Well we're going to get into the tech stuff here in a second because, you know, we've been talking for months about how this is becoming more and more of a tech operation. We're incorporating more tech. You're going to talk about what all of that actually means and entails, but to start, you know, the rules here, we got to learn about you as a collector. So let's go. What's, uh, tell us your collector story, what you collect and, uh, the roots of it.
1: Sure. So it's a bit eclectic. Um, But I mostly collect Alex Morgan cards. Uh, The whole backstory behind that is that I, uh, when I was getting back into cards, I was looking to see uh, what what sort of MVP type player I could actually corner the market on. This Mm. was back in early 2019. And so I was just Googling to see like, all right, growing up, I was of course a, a Jordan, LeBron, Kobe sort of fan. Uh, Nat and others had that more uh, market kind of <laughs> cornered, so <laughs> uh, so I started just looking up who are some rising, uh, really high achieving athletes who I could, for like you know, feasibly actually get a lot of their one of ones and a lot of their more rare cards. And uh, Alex Morgan was on her way to uh, achieving that uh, that status, but it was early enough in the soccer card market, especially in the female soccer card mm-hmm. market market, that I could actually go on eBay and just grab a lot of those for. You know, at most, maybe 1000 thousand, two thousand $2,000 each. Uh, so I just grabbed as many as I could. Um, and I've uh, amassed a relatively big collection. Uh, as I was uh, mentioning it prior to the show, uh, I recently found out that there is someone on the set registry with a much larger, better collection. And so uh, if you're listening, uh, I got my eyes on you. <laughs> no, and you need to have I'd a love conversation. To. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, should, we should chat. Um, the other thing I collect are uh, a lot of the lot of survival uh, survival horror video games actually, um, and I got into them before we ever even talked about them here internally, uh, and so I, I've known about them for some time. Um, but yeah, that's a there's a the two big things for me.
0: That is very eclectic, but <laughs> I, I I need to know because I see on on you know Instagram and whatnot your your Alex Morgan cards that you share. How many unique? So you started this just about three years ago. How many unique? alex morgan cards would you say are in that collection right now Ooh,
1: um i actually have no idea there's a, a case behind me uh that i set up um at, in my office that has all of her cards starting in her earliest like sticker panini stickers uh through to her latest 2021 u.s national team wow. card um and most of them are autos and because uh, i i there's just so many weird sets because uh, even within soccer, the female players aren't really featured. They're kind of thrown into some of these upper deck sets and whatnot. And so she's in random sets. Um, but it's something like at least 30 to 40 unique type cards, maybe more.
0: Well, we could talk about Alex Morgan cards all day. And, and I, I really love your approach of who's a modern goat that I can get in on. And, and you identified a really good one because since 2019, her profiles only continue to rise.
1: Yeah, I think one of the first card ladder charts that they put out around their data said that it was something like 10,000 X over the, like wow. the past two or three years. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm a major contributor to, toward that fact. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so, you, so you've so
1: you got some chops
0: on the collecting side in, in the modern market. Now let's talk tech. Um, you know, we, we wanna talk quite a bit about essentially starting with the research stage here at, at PSA uh, in particular today. You know, we know the the traditional approach to identifying cards in the research step, you know, it has its problems. Um, it's prone to human error. It's it's very time intensive. And frankly, you know, as our capacity and our company grows, it's, it's not quite easily scalable. So can you describe some of the solutions that your team is working on on the tech side to assist in this step of the, pr- the customer process?
1: Sure. So uh, one of the f- things I noticed after I shadowed the research team for the first time is that they do a lot more than just identify cards. Uh, I noticed three major things. The first one is, uh, of course, they're trying to identify the card appropriately. Uh, but secondly, they're also doing this sort of initial screen just to make sure that the card isn't counterfeit. So they're looking for mm. tells of, uh, you know, like for the Michael Jordan '86 uh, Fleer rookie, the 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 lines in the basketball are a bit blended together, which is one of the tells um, that it might be a counterfeit um and thirdly they're also making sure that the the cards are uh, correctly associated with the correct customer uh especially back in the day when we had uh had to make sure you submit your cards in a specific order and you had the stickers and everything labeling um you know all that they actually verify to make sure the cards are all here and um they're accounted for um and so they actually do a lot more than that too but those are the three major things and so even within those three areas alone, I saw an opportunity to break down those tasks and build technical solutions for each one. So uh, in parallel, we, we would be able to do three things. One would be to leverage computer vision techniques um, like the one that was featured in our recent uh, collectors blog, blog.collectors.com, um, to identify the cards within seconds instead of minutes. Uh, secondly, we're also developing sophisticated anti-fraud routines to flag potential counterfeits or outliers. Uh, in an automated way so you can imagine the uh, the researcher taking a card and then scanning it when it comes across their desk and it just automatically runs through some of the programs that we create and will identify you know flag it uh, if it's uh, something that is a known counterfeit or just add a warning to look at specific features to make sure that they're not counterfeit show some examples of the the authentic cards and uh, the third thing that we're, we're helping with is the overall submission process, which I think is actually, as a submitter myself, uh, one of the more uh, yeah, appealing, uh, r- really cool things that we're doing. So we want to start with the online submission portal and make improvements all the way through to the point where we return, we return everyone's cards to them so that it's all streamlined. Uh, and part of this will remove the burden from researchers, for example, to manually associate cards with their proper order. So again, thinking about scanning in the cards, if we um, do something like add a unique fingerprint for every physical card uh, by scanning the, the features of the card and uniquely identifying it compared to uh, other similar cards, um, you could make this technology accessible to someone through their phone. And they can actually scan the cards ahead of time, submit it into us, um, you know, just uh, as is in savers into a box uh, that's secure. When we receive it, we can just scan it back. We, they don't need to enter anything into the submission form. Just taking the picture alone, we pu- could pull enough data to actually create the submission for them. Um, and that's sort of the dream. <laughs> it's just for me to be able to say, I want to submit these cards, take pictures of them through our app, send them over, and uh, on the other side to know that there's 100% guarantee that they're going to receive it and be able to identify it properly.
2: I hope people are listening to that. Like, Wow. Like, yeah. uh, talk about automation in, in, in process and the idea of just making a very simple and convenient way to submit cards to PSA through the technology that they're installing here, starting with the research phase. Um, I do wanna say Dan's presence at the company has really changed overall the at- outlook in terms of what we believe we're capable of. The team that he's, he's built, and Dan, how many people are in the tech org today?
1: We're currently at 110.
2: Wow, wow. like one hundred.
1: Yeah, Where was it a uh, year ago? A year ago, so I started in April uh, of last year.
2: 2021.
1: uh, Yeah, 2021. And there were 13 software engineers and around 30 overall tech people, tech staff.
2: So from 30 ish to 110, I will say when I started PSA uh, directly around 2016, 2017, after some years on the corporate side, there's only about 230 people at PSA. So the fact that at this point, the company has not only grown to over (laughs) 1,000, but the tech org itself is risen so much as it's just a statement to where we're investing our our ourselves in terms of the future of the hobby. Um, I did want to ask about the automation process that you just outlined there, and you did shout out your blog. So if people want more information on any of this, go to collectors.blog.com uh, or blog.collectors.com. Sorry about that. Um, metadata. It comes up quite a bit, especially when imaging is introduced in ways that you can attach more information to those images, but could you describe what metadata is to the casual listener and also kind of what are the benefits that it provides to the process?
1: Sure, metadata is uh, just aspects that describe the uh, the thing that you're talking about in more detail. And so, for us uh, as collectors, it might be what set is it from, what's the year, Uh, you know, uh, other things like that. But when you think about it from a more technical side, uh, it could also be more around uh, what is there gloss on the card? Uh, Is it a sticker auto versus non-sticker auto? Things like that, and so it just gives you more detail onto the card itself um, and about the object itself that you can then use to do other analysis. Um, and so, uh, you know, what we're what we are doing now is um, capturing images that uh, we want to be sent to a bunch of uh, different other helper services. Things like uh, the auto specking I was talking about, or some of the anti fraud, but also uh, some of that fingerprinting I was talking about, generating a unique ID for each card. Um, Also things like grade assistance. So, uh, for example, some of you may be familiar with Gentiment, um, an acquisition we made last year. They have some technology that will actually highlight specific areas of a card for graders to look at. Like maybe there's a scratch, maybe there's a soft corner. This uh, technology will just take that image and actually highlight a heat map of things for the grader to just accelerate their grading process. Um, And also, the, one of the cooler things that uh, I can't get into too much detail yet, uh, more to come, but it's the valuation side of things. Uh, we will uh, you know, be providing estimated price ranges based on market data for that card um, solely from the image. And so there, there's a lot going on there, but by pulling out the metadata for each one of these cards from that image, you can then, then actually do some pretty sophisticated things and uh, deliver a lot of value to the collector
0: so the the size of the how did the size of the card catalog and the design diversity of cards that kind of compromise that catalog present unique challenges to your team when attempting to add like you mentioned the automation on the card identification side uh how did you end up solving some of those challenges
1: yeah it's actually super interesting because generally with technology the more quantity and diversity you get with your data the better your results um however in some cases, like this one, there's actually a point where having more data leads to more questions or ambiguity. Uh, so uh, I'd like to caveat too at this point that a lot of this work happened before I joined Collectors, uh, the, the talented crew that was already here, uh, Amir uh, Kalkansi and Mark Frisby. They developed the this uh, and refined this auto specking solution uh, right around the time when Nat and I were getting involved. Um, however, in this case. Having a lot of card images actually led to more overlap between the different types of cards that have similar features. A very easy case for a lot of collectors to uh, to, to understand this with is the iconic eighty six FLIR Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as many people know, there was a re-release, a ninety six fleer decade of excellence version. The only major difference, um, you know especially just l- looking at it quickly is uh, some additional printed text that's just embossed on the uh, Decade of Excellence version, but all the other cards, uh, parts of the card are nearly identical. So if you imagine uh, that part was kind of hidden and the computer just looked at the rest of the card and compared them, they it may look like an authentic 86 Fleer Jordan, even though it was actually the 96 re-release. Um, and so that's a, a case where having more of these images helps in some ways, but also confuses the computers in other ways. So what Amir did was he actually started with a pretty basic version of, um, of this solution uh, to be able to identify cards just from images. He created a basic computer vision algorithm that compares just the contents, uh, but it didn't account for differences in things like brightness. And so if uh, depending on where you took that picture or how bright the room was at the time, they may look like uh, the algorithm might treat them as different cards, even though it was just different lighting. Uh, and so that uh, and then he took a, another stab at the approach, he actually then looked at key parts of the image and compare them to other images. Uh, this was better because it then kind of isolated the unique parts, uh, like the Jordan card to look at the text and say like, okay, no, there's this extra text that's there. And so it's obviously mm-hmm. different than the original. Um, but uh, the, as he increased the number of cards he was looking at, it was harder to determine what parts of the card to look at that would be unique compared to the other types yeah. of cards. Uh, Not all cards are that easy to (laughs) separate where there's text on them uh, versus one uh, versus the other. Um, And so ultimately, he came to a solution where he uh, was just researching a bunch of other approaches for general image recognition and uh, computer vision and discovered a machine learning technique that lets you calculate the relationship between different parts of the image and how they affect each other. Um, so basically what it's doing is it's just looking at the image at a deeper level than just the way that the images look compared to each other. And instead you actually look at the relationship between, uh, pixels. The, uh, I'm not gonna speak too deeply into the, the technical aspect because I just can't, I, I it's a, a very deep level of, um, of technology that I'm just not an expert in. But the idea is you basically create, um, you know, based on the one image and the second image a function that uh, maps the relationship to so that when you change one the one image or one part of the image, this is how it changes the rest of the parts of the image. And then you check that same function against the other image. Does it react in the same way? And if it does, then it's likely more likely the same image. Um, so we're still running into problems with some of these harder cases, even using this more sophisticated method. Uh, like, for example, colored parallels are still really hard for cameras to pick up. And so yeah. when you have like a red parallel, green parallel, um, especially the more subtle silver versus non-silver for prisms and things like that, computers are still having a hard time capturing that without doing something like capturing the motion of you holding the card and moving it around a little bit to see how the light reacts to it. Um, and so we're still working through a lot of those cases, but that those are more rare anyway. It's not as big of a deal. The algorithm, as it stands today, still lets you go through the entire universe of cards based on an image and filter it down to the four or five most likely results.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of te- technology, I think. A- as you get into it and you start solving the issues, uh, you find offshoots and other ways that yeah. tech can be applied or, or other solutions that might uh, relate to. Uh, you- you've talked about some of those enhanced counterfeiting, error detection, um, but let's talk about the customer side of things. Like, you've talked about the applications internally. I think our customers want to hear maybe how it might relate to their day to day collecting. Are there some ideas that you guys are kicking around in terms of ways to take this tech and apply it to the customer experience?
1: Yeah, outside of just some of the the submission process and other things like that, one of the things that we want to improve are a lot of our mobile apps. And so, uh, again, thinking about it from the submission process, right now, and you, we we over the years uh, PSA and collectors has made it very easy. Uh, to submit cards uh, it used to be extremely hard if you recall mm-hmm. the, putting the stickers on each card and numbering them <laughs> like the, where they are like which order line um, all the way to where we are today it's gotten much better but there's still a lot of uh, room inv- for improvement so having an app that you can just scan your cards to submit uh, you know, submit them is great uh, but going beyond that one of the things that we'd love to do is to uh, tie it to our valuation algorithms so that you can actually as part of that even get something like uh, potentially a r- raw range of grades, um, that, that you could get for that card or, um, th- based on that, the value that that card might have. Uh, and so there are some apps here and there that are, are doing that today. The, the thing that we have that would help to accelerate that for the, the, the hobby is that we have the slew of decades of data mm-hmm. around pricing, not just from one source, like not just eBay. Um, but from all different uh, auction houses um, and uh, from our uh, internal APR, um, the former SMR index, all of these things, which we could then put together to come up with a really accurate um, pricing estimate for, uh, for our users. Um, and on top of that, there are a lot of things like a lot of the population reports that, uh, that we're building. Uh, right now, they're kind of uh, you, you go to a website to see it. Uh, one of the things that we're starting to do is actually build APIs for people to be able to access these things programmatically, meaning that third-party developers, will uh, we're going to give them the access to be able to do these things and integrate them into their application. So you can create these new applications that take population reports and maybe they use that to generate their own rarity sort of index or other things. Um, But what what allows us to do is expose more of our technology uh, publicly, and empower people within the hobby to uh, build other cooler things that we just don't have time or resources to do. And for us to just go back and forth in that way to innovate the hobby uh, together. So
2: yeah, we're, we're looking to a lot of those things. Opening it up. I mean, that's what it's all about. More people have access to it. They can build cool and novel mm-hmm. solutions and you know, reach more people. Yep. You you uh,
0: you know, you mentioned earlier the blog, blog.collectors.com. And uh, this was where I recently kind of got a lot of my first uh, look at what you were talking about in terms of the automating the automated identity process. Um, on that tech blog, you guys really give a lot of good insights. Um, I definitely encourage everyone to go check it out. Again, blog.collectors.com. What else is coming in the coming months, uh, not only that you're working on, but things that you're gonna wanna share uh, with customers in that space?
1: Yeah, we're trying to uh... Ride that fine line between sh- giving enough transparency into what we're doing and also not giving away our secret sauce. <laughs> we battle so, that every day, I get yeah. it. Um, but but we're, really, we're trying to push that line as much as we can to yeah. provide the transparency and show everyone, here's how we're doing things. Because I feel like, uh, especially as an outsider initially as well, um, a lot of the things like the, um, you know, the the submission times and the turnaround times are very frustrating but the more transparency we build into seeing like what are the challenges that we're actually trying to solve. Um, everyone knows that, okay, yeah, uh, there are just a lot of cards that were submitted, but when you actually go through the process of um, how uh, how we actually are improving the things and what we actually do, it's truly impressive. And one of the things that I want to help to give to the community is just more of that insight into, here are the struggles that we are seeing when you you know, process 40 something thousand cards a day. Mm-hmm. And here's how technology can actually improve that. Uh, and so we're at the very beginning of just building transparency into all the technology we're building and uh, telling people stories like the data pipelines that we were building, like this image recognition stuff. And so there will be a lot more around the technology itself as well as just the overall process and challenges that we're helping, uh, you know, to, to battle internally. Uh, so there'll be a lot more of that to
2: come. Yeah, I would suggest too, you're uh, a professional and you're on LinkedIn, follow Dan on LinkedIn, follow Collectors page on LinkedIn. There's quite a bit of information that we post uh, from time to time about uh, the projects that Dan and his tech team are working on. So, um, for all of you on LinkedIn, check it out for sure. And if you want to be part of some of
0: those, slash careers, um, because, you know, as you mentioned, your team has been expanding and still expanding.
1: Yeah. And, we actually, um, a lot of people they are worried that we only hire people who have computer science degrees or anything else. We actually have even brought people out from our operations, and um, you know we have a verification process and, and all that. A lot of the people who work uh, on those parts of the process who just kind of code in their free time or code in the past or just interested in it, we have brought them into technical roles. So if you're just interested, you know, feel free to apply, and we'll we'll see if there's a good fit for you somewhere.
0: I have to ask too. Um... You know, you talk about applying all these things on the tech side that are going to help collectors. How much has it helped you in your first year here, the fact that you came into this role as a collector you had and, and as a PSA customer? And you kind of have experienced some of those pain points before, experienced the process. How much do you think that has helped you in in your role as CTO with the company?
1: It helps a lot. So um, definitely the empathy is huge. One of the interesting things that um, that I'll talk about my experience with Nat back at Flatiron, um, we built uh, cancer technology. Uh, However, I am not an oncologist. I have no medical training. And so a lot of my first few years at Flatiron was just learning more about what are the challenges that physicians, nurses, patients, Run into so that I can build better technology that actually addresses their needs. Um, I did not have that challenge here <laughs> because I was a collector. I understood where the problems uh, may be, and a lot of it was just more understanding, um, you know, what what the struggles were for the organization. Uh, I remember my first few meetings with Steve and just uh, hearing a lot about like these are the challenges that we're they're running into. Um, and uh, you would think sometimes coming into a situation like that, like. Especially as an outsider, it's kind of like what our critics say, like oh, you know, like they're just doing these things wrong or they're just not taking these things into account. It's like no, uh, you know, actually, the more detail you get on it, you realize if the organization, a lot of the people were extremely intelligent. They were very strategic. They built things the right way. Uh, anyone running into this sort of situation likely would have run into the same thing: a sudden scaling, a sudden surge, um, and it's just overwhelming to to try to make all those changes at once. Um, but I think. That was the, the the only remaining bit of information that I needed. Um, the collector's empathy, the the understanding of, of uh, being someone who submitted to PSA before and knowing the whole process, I already came in knowing some opportunities of where we could apply technology. It was just the
2: conversations with Steve and the other leaders that really helped me to see the rest of it. I, I think they're building the rocket ship. It hasn't taken off yet. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's mentioned 110 people that are, he's putting in the right places to to deliver on what we're trying to build as a company, we have uh, objectives and key results that are directly related to scaling, to tech's impact within that. It's gonna be you know, a great moment when some of these things begin to hit the market and collectors get to experience them firsthand. Uh, really exciting to, for me to see as someone who's been here for quite a few years. I mean, 110 people, some of our competitors don't even have 110 staff members total. total. And we have you know that dedicated team and growing, uh, working on these problems that uh, are definitely gonna uh, make our customers very happy.
0: It 100% shows uh, the commitment to tech here at the uh, here at the company. We've talked about it before on this show, but it was really a treat to talk about it with you directly today, Dan, with the with our customers and listeners. And uh, we look forward to having you back here as more exciting developments are coming through the pipeline.
1: Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, for Dan Van Tran, thank you for joining us. Steve Sloan, I'm Ryan Green. We will see you again next week on the PSA Pod.